All right, if you haven't already, open up to 1 Timothy chapter 2. <clears throat> if, you don't, uh, if you don't have a Bible, that's okay. We're going to have it up on the screen tonight, and um, we are going to go straight at it. Y'all ready? Okay, all right. Y'all ready? Okay, okay, okay. Some of y'all are. Here we go, 1 Timothy chapter 2, and we're going to pick up right where we left off last week in verse 8. And here's what Paul says. Paul's the dude writing this letter. He says, therefore... I want the men to pray in every place, lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. Now listen to that again. He says, therefore, I want the men to pray in every place, lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. Now, the the first couple words there, he says, therefore, I want the who? The men. Now let's look at that word for a second. Because just a couple verses earlier in chapter 2, verse 4 you see that same word men in English. But they're two completely different words. In verse four, Paul says that God wants all men to be saved. He's not saying there that he just wants males to be saved. That word men there is a word that includes humankind, mankind, both men and women. In the Greek, it's the word anthropos. Everybody say anthropos. And the reason I said Greek Uh, is because that's what the New Testament was written in, in case you didn't know, okay? Uh, So a little lesson tonight. Now here's what he uses in verse eight when he says, therefore I want the men. He doesn't use the word anthropos. He uses the word andros. Everybody say andros. Andros is the plural version of the word man, which is also translated in places as husband, specifically referring to males, Paul's not talking here about mankind or men and women. He's talking to who? The men. If you wanted to say something different, he would have used a different word. So he's talking to the men. This is a general call to the men in the church. He's not certain men here. It's the men in the church. And here's, here's the question. What does he want them to do? Actually, back up. Let me tell you guys this. Every, every guy in here, look up here for a second. Every male in this room, girls you can look to. No, girls, y'all look down. Guys, look at me. Tonight, Paul is speaking to you. And let me tell you what I've been praying leading into this tonight. I've been praying a few things. One, I've been praying that you would leave here messed up. I've been praying that, that what we read in here tonight, what God says in his word tonight to you would hit you in such a way as it, it, was, it was as if I took a, like a brick, like a solid brick and just... Nolan Ryan wound up and just chunked it right at your face and hit you right in the face. And so you walk out of here feeling it. And you wake up in the morning feeling it. And you wake up next week feeling it. And not only that, but other people can see the damage that it's done in your life. And I pray also that some of you get mad tonight. Some of you guys need, a, need a, some, some holy anger lit up under your butt. A little fire. I've been praying too that most if not all of us men in this room would be driven to a posture and a position of repentance, response, and seeking out reconciliation. So he says, therefore, I want the men. And and the question that we have now is, okay, what does he want them to do? And look at that verse again. He says, therefore, I want the men to pray in every place, Lifting up holy hands with anger or disputing. The first thing he says here is, and, and, and really the bottom line here is he says, I want the men to pray. If you were to actually pull out 
And I'm not trying to get all weird on you. I think this is important to understanding the text. If you were to actually pull out like a Greek New Testament, the original language this was written in, and one of those old little papyruses that has been dug up from ancient parts of the world, it would actually read like, like word for word. It would read, I want therefore to pray the men in all places, lifting up holy hands without arguing or disputing. Now, that doesn't really make sense that, since that word order in English, because in English, word order matters. We, we rely on word order to find out uh, what is modifying what and what is doing the action, what is receiving the action. But in Greek, that doesn't matter because those things are all wrapped up in the actual word. The actual word and the way it's written tells you those things. In Greek, the only reason the word order matters is sometimes the, the dude writing or the person writing would move a word towards the beginning of a sentence to put a little bit more emphasis on it. Now, if you do look at this verse in, in some of your translations, prayer doesn't come till later on for the sake of helping us better understand in English what he's saying. But the reality is he put prayer or to pray as the, as the third word. And so at the heart of what Paul's saying is I want the men to pray. Now, now here's, here's the question, okay, so, so, so what is he saying? And, and we can't just understand this by itself with verse eight because we've been studying this for like five, six weeks now. And, and when Paul gets to this point, he's, he's saying this amidst a bunch of context, specifically what we looked at last week. And so reading this in context really gives us an idea of what he, what he means, picking up right where we left off last week. He's just finished saying what? Verse 18 of chapter one, he says to Timothy, fight the good fight. He says, don't fight a good fight. He says, fight the good fight. Don't just fight any fight. And what, the, what is the good fight that we're fighting that he's talking about? It's, it's the fight to make Jesus as famous as we possibly can make him in our time here on earth. That's the fight that we're fighting for. And then, and then with that, we saw he's saying, don't let fee, uh, fatigue or fear get in the way of you fighting that good fight. Don't let fatigue get in the way. Don't let fatigue from fighting other less meaningful or completely worthless fights keep you from fighting that good fight. And don't let fear, fear of the consequences of fighting a good fight or fear, of, fear that comes from not trusting in God's promises for protection and provision keep you from fighting that good fight. Don't let those things keep you from fighting the good fight. And then chapter two last week, we saw he gets in and says, therefore, I urge you to pray before you do anything else. So he kind of goes into this fighting 101 class here. And the answer for this, this first question, okay, so how do we fight this good fight? What's the first step? You know, what's, well, you know, what's, our, what's our fighting stance? He says, pray. That's the initial step in praying. So by saying all of this and then immediately saying here in verse eight, therefore I want the men to pray, calling specifically the men out, knowing that praying is the first step in engaging in this good fight. Paul's telling these men to lead the charge in fighting the good fight. Are you with me so far? This is key. Okay, I, I need a couple people to help me out here. I need a, I need a guy. Um, he needs to be, he needs to be a, a, a large human. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna get Andrew. Come up here, man. And I need a girl. Um, Jen, come on, come on up here. Uh, this, is, this is Andrew. And uh, Jen is coming up here. Now, any of y'all ever, um, any of y'all ever taken a self-defense class before? Okay, I, I haven't. I don't really uh, know anything about this stuff. What's up, fellas? Or hey. lady, fella, sorry. Lady, fella. <laughs> My mind is in the mode here. Okay, so self-defense class. Um, I, I came across this 
We have a couple people in here that have taken a self-defense class, so I stole this book from their house. Um, actually, they brought it to me. I didn't want to get chopped by them. But uh, it's actually a pretty funny-looking book. Uh, looks like all these pictures were taken in, like, 1982. It reminds me of uh, Napoleon Dynamite, Rex Quando. You remember that? <laughs> Anyways, okay, so back on, back on task here. Okay, Jen, I need you to stand over here, okay? I'm going to bring you into this equation here in a second. Now, Andrew, you are the bad guy. You're the attacker, okay? Doesn't he look like a good attacker, good bad guy? Give us your, give us your bad guy face. <laughs> Come on, like. Okay, that's good, that's good. Okay, here's what I need. I need you to come stand over here, right here, and I'm gonna stand right where I was standing, okay. and I need you to act like you're just, you're, you're coming at me to, to, to beat me up, okay? Like you're just, there's nothing that's gonna get in the way. You're just gonna, you're just gonna come at me and like, you know, like you're about to throw a punch, okay? All right? And I mean, you gotta look mean. You gotta sell us, okay? Like you gotta be mad. Like somebody just stole your favorite little dog or something, I don't know. Okay? Or somebody, anyways. Okay, you ready? All right, ready, set, go. No, no, stop. Okay, you don't, come, come, come back, go back over here. You don't look mad at all. I'm not intimidated yet, okay? Okay, okay, look, I mean, you gotta, mm. okay, ready? Ready? Okay, dude, your, your mom, like, uh, no, I'm just kidding. Okay, come on. Ready, go. Okay, stop, stop. stop. Was, that, was that good? Was that good? It was, it was good, right? Okay. Uh, I really didn't need you to do that. I just want to see you do it in front of everybody. So, um, okay. Now, okay, so, so self-defense, okay? So this manual, right? Um, if he was coming up to attack me, what is the first thing that I would do to, fight, to, to fend off this attacker? What's, what's one of the first things they teach you to do? I, everybody said stuff. So I'm just going to tell you what the book says, okay? Like, this is, this is what I'm told this book says. There's, there's, three, there's three main things that this book says, okay? One... You have to create space, all right? You have to create space so that if you're gonna, if, if you're gonna attack, you need to create a little space so you can get, you know, get in your fighting stance or whatever. Um, and, uh, and then you need to create time, and I think you're doing that while you're creating space. I think this is right. And, and in doing so, the time might actually, instead of to engage in battle, uh, might actually be so you have enough time to get away, okay? So create space, create time, and then you're supposed to yell no, okay? So... Andrew, here's what I want you to do. I want you to um, just reach out and grab my arm like you're gonna attack me. No! <laughs> did you see what I did there? You know, hit the arm, say no, create space, create time if I wanna get away or if I wanna battle. You know, okay, so none of that really matters. Uh, you know, if we went into the book, we would get a little further into the next details. Okay, what do you do after the create space, create time, say no junk, okay? Now, we're not gonna get into that because... We know I'd wipe the floor with hand. No, I'm just kidding. He would, he would kill me. Um, but here, okay, here's what I want you to see, though, okay? Now, now back over there again. Jen, come here. I want you to stand right there. So me and Jen, everybody say hi, Jen. Hi, Jen. Me and Jen, we're hanging out, just walking down the street, I guess. And, uh, and so we're walking down the street, and, uh, and all of a sudden, this attacker comes out of nowhere, Full speed, like, there's no negotiating going on here. He's just coming to, you know, attack. I mean, he, like, he's, he's running at us, and he's saying, I'm, I'm seriously going to kill you both, like, ugh, going, you know, one fist for each, like, he's coming at us, all right? As the man, go ahead and, like, you know, slow-mo, slower, I need more time, slow-mo. As the man 
what am I supposed to do in this situation? Uh, you heard him. He said he wants to fight. So, <laughs> no, that's not what I'm supposed to do, is it? Okay. As the man in the situation, what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to get in the front. And if nothing else, at least just get in between. Get in between. Okay. Sorry. And if I need to, then I'm going to engage in battle. All right? Now, here's the picture that I think Paul is trying to get us to see when he says, fight the good fight. Here, scoot back a little bit. I can't see faces over here. No, you're good right here, right here, right here. Okay. This is the picture that Paul's trying to get us to see when he says, fight the good fight. When he says, fight the good fight, what he's telling us is that if you are a believer, then you are in a battle everywhere you go. This is where that word, every place, uh, put, that, put the verse back up there again. When it says, I want, therefore I want the men uh, to pray in every place, this is where that every place comes into play. It's not just here that there's a battle to be fought. It's, it's on your campus. It's in your classroom. It's at home. Some of you, it's really at home. Uh, it's at work. It's everywhere that you go, that is where the fight is. And so what he's saying to the men is, he's saying, I want the men everywhere to lead the charge in engaging in this fight. Okay, so we're hanging out again. All right, so let's try and get the picture that Paul's trying to get here, okay? Slow-mo, now I want you to get over here, and you really have to sell it, okay? Slow motion, you're coming to beat us up. Here's, what, here's the picture that Paul's trying to portray. Ready, go. I'm supposed to get in front. The men are supposed to lead the way in engaging in this fight. Do you have that picture? You need to get that picture. Everybody shake your head if you have that picture. Okay, now back up again. We're gonna do this one more time. Let me tell you, though, what I think is really happening. Let's do this one more time. The men, back up. Instead of the men in this room being the ones who lead out and engage in the fight, I think that most of the men in this room are doing something completely different. And it might manifest itself in, in, in one of two ways. So, so way number one is this, slow-mo. Okay, that's way, num way number one. Or way number two. That's way number two. Instead of leading out in the fight, I think many, if not most, and when I say most, I definitely mean most, men in this room are fleeing the fight. And so here's the question that I want to first ask is why? Why is this? Y'all can go and sit down. Y'all give them a hand. Thank y'all. Why is this? You know, we looked last week at a couple reasons why we don't engage in the fight or fight the good fight. And the, and the first of those two reasons is, is fatigue. We spend our time fighting other fights that are completely worthless or have no worth at all. And so when we actually get to this fight, we're tired, we're fatigued. The second reason <clears throat> was fear. We're afraid of the consequences of what might happen if we actually engage in this battle to make Jesus' name famous. And that fear comes from us not trusting in the promises of God to provide and protect us. 
That fear comes from, from us fearing what it would cost us. But there's another thing in here that I think manifests itself in this room, in the men in this room, one of the reasons that instead of leading the charge in the fight or leading the charge to fight, we end up fleeing the scene. And that reason is what I'm gonna call Satan's big lie. And here's what it is. Satan's big lie is this. This is not a man's fight. And here's kind of what that lie looks like, maybe what that thought process looks like. When you look at, when you look at church, guys, and you look at church activities, here's what you see. You, you know, like tonight, we started off singing a bunch of songs. So you see people singing. You see two guys up here with the guitar singing music, and maybe you don't like the music, I don't know. But to you, it's just like, ah, oh, it's just not me. That's not like, you know, like, that's just not me. It's not man for me, you know? And then you, you see, okay, so there's a 45-minute or 30-minute or whatever uh, presentation or, or talk where everybody sits there and listens and you see that and you're like, well, I just don't like that. And then you see things like, you know, a lot of people who call themselves Christians, this is your thought process, spend half of their day, almost every day, sitting in a coffee shop, reading these books, and having these hour-long conversations where they just spew out their guts and spew their heart to whoever they're talking to, and while they're sitting there drinking tea or coffee, and that's just not man for you. It's not man enough. So I kind of want to expose a couple things about those lies. The, the first is this, the fact that we all get tired of, of worshiping God together with other Christians, and really the fact that many of us, many of us in this room don't even like that setting, don't even like that atmosphere, is, is a sign of our fallen nature. You as a man and you as women were created for God. You were created to be in a relationship with God. You were created to talk to God. You were created for him to talk to you. You were created to spend time with God. You look in, in, in God's word, you look at creation, and that's the picture that we see in the beginning. But then you look at the very end that hasn't come yet and what it's gonna be like when we're finally fixed. That's the picture. We're going to be together, worshiping together, and it's gonna be awesome. It'll be way better than this, way better than this. But, but we're going to be worshiping God. We're gonna be spending time. We're gonna be singing to God. We're gonna be talking to God. He's gonna be talking to us. But we would, rather, we would rather play Xbox or watch SportsCenter than spend time with God. And I just want to tell you guys tonight that, that you and I, we together, are, are going to be fighting this issue for the rest of our lives. This issue of like not really always liking the worship setting, not, not really always you know, being drawn to something like this. We're going to be fighting that the rest of our lives until God comes back and fixes us. But the second thing is this, um, though some battles do take place inside coffee shops uh, over a cup of hot tea and coffee um, and hour-long conversations, uh, most don't. Paul says, fight the good fight. Where is the fight? It's everywhere, that's why he says, uh, NIV, I want men everywhere to lift up holy hands in prayer. The fight is every stinking where. It's, it's, it's at work, it's at school, it's wherever you go. Wherever you as a man go, that's where the fight is. A couple just examples of fights I've been involved in in my life. I had a really good friend in college, one of my fraternity brothers, his name is Chance. And uh, I love to share his testimony for a lot of reasons, but, but tonight I wanna share it for this reason. He, he was like not at all a believer, uh, didn't grow up around that. He's from Boise, Idaho. And uh, so, you know, kind of weird, Boise, Idaho 
anyways. Uh, but like we, we started spending time together and, and I knew he was not a believer. And one of my intentions in spending time with him was to hopefully share the gospel with him. And this is what happened for, for five months, three to, three to four times a week, he and I would go fishing together during college for five months. And while we'd be sitting in this boat fishing, we'd be talking. And almost every time that we were together, I would try and, and in some form or fashion uh, begin to teach him about Jesus. And it took five months. And five months later, we started in October. It, this particular part of this all ended in March. He finally gave his life to Christ. Where was the battlefield for us? It was on a boat in the middle of a lake while we were fishing. If that's not man enough, I don't know what is. There was another guy in college. His name was Brandon Allen. He was a football player on, 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 at, at, my, at the school I went to. And we met on the basketball court, playing basketball together. And, and we built our relationship initially on the basketball court. That was the only place I really saw him. And then we started hanging out more. And then we started playing dominoes together with, with a bunch of other people on, on, on every Friday afternoon. And over a period of time, he ended up giving his life to the Lord. Where was our battlefield? It was the basketball court in the room we played dominoes in. You can't say that this is not a man's fight. This is a man's fight. So my challenge first tonight is stop buying into Satan's big lie and lead the charge. Paul says, men, lead the charge. When he says, therefore, I want the men to pray, he's saying, men, lead the charge. But you need to see this, guys, that uh, Paul didn't just say, men, lead the charge, or I want the men to pray in every place. Go back to that verse again. He says, therefore, I want the men to pray in every place, lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. So the second thing he says here is he, he wants men to pray in every place, lifting up holy hands. Now, what does the word holy mean? It means, uh, it means set apart. I mean, it means pure. Really, it just means different. And so what Paul's initially saying here is, is you should look different than everyone else. I think a good verse to, verses to look at here would be Galatians 5, beginning in verse 19. It says this, The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit, in other words, those who place their faith in Jesus, which is our only hope. Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit to live in us and to transform us from the inside out. The fruit of that, the effect of that, the evidence of that happening in your life is this, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. It's kind of like uh, when you were in first grade or whatever grade it was, and they would give you those little worksheets. And on the worksheets, uh, it would say, circle the one that doesn't belong. And there'd be like four pictures, and there'd be a picture of a cute little dog, a cute little cat, no such thing, but a cat, uh, a cute little hamster, and a cute little shovel. Now I would cross out the cat and just leave the rest because I would totally be willing to play with the rest and hate the cats. But, but you circle, you're supposed to circle the shovel. That's the picture here. What Paul's saying is, if you step out in front to lead the charge, but you're not set apart, you don't look different, 
from the people on the other side, then you're not stepping out to lead the charge. You're stepping out and simply just walking across to the other side to hang out for a little while. And so Paul doesn't just say, men, lead the charge. He says, men, lead the charge by being set apart. He says, men, lead the charge by being holy. He says, men, lead the charge by being pure. And here's a question I have. Where are the men who value holiness? Where are the men who value purity? You know, there's a lot of guys I know in this room who value muscles, who value the way they look. That's why they, we, stand in front of the mirror and we flex. That's why we go to the weight room. And there's two questions that you get a lot or you, you hear asked or, or, or said a lot in the weight room. The first is this, what, what are you working out today? Um, in other words, like I had a guy last night, I was up at LA Fitness and this guy, actually one of the trainers, and I don't know if he was trying to say something by coming and seeing if I wanted some, some training sessions, but uh, maybe he's saying I look weak or whatever. That's, that's fine. Um, <laughs> but he said, first question he said is, what are you working out today? And he's wanting to know what muscle groups am I working out? I'm working out shoulders and tries or buys and whatever else, you know, there is to work out. But there's another question too, and that's this, what are you lifting? Like if you're, if, you're, if you're working out with somebody and you're about to do the bench press and you're the first one to go, then your partner's gonna say, what are you lifting? Uh, and, and we like this question, well, some like this question. Uh, I'm going to put 245s on each side. I'll go and just warm up at 225. You know, like we're, we like, we're proud of, the, of, of where we're at and how we can answer that question. That's, I don't warm up with 225 for you guys that know, okay. Um, put two tens on. Uh, but what are you lifting? Well, I'm lifting 225, or I'm, I'm lifting 135, or whatever it is. But listen to Paul. He says, I want the men to pray lifting up holy hands. This might be weird, but I want every guy in this room to lift up both your hands. Okay, I want you to look around. Look at all the hands that are in the air. It's a lot of hands. Impressive. What if, what if your hands never clicked on a pornographic website again? It's kind of like a Jay-Z concert or something. (laughs) Back to the text. What if your hands never clicked on a pornographic website again? What if these hands, look around. What if these hands never inappropriately touch or felt up the girl that is not your wife yet again? What if, what if these hands worked hard in class for both the current glory of Jesus and the future glory of Jesus? You can put your arms down. What if these hands worked hard at work, making money only to be spent wisely? What if these hands worked out in the weight room, not for your own glory, but hopefully in such a way that would point to Jesus instead? And what if those hands spent more time embracing God's word than they do embracing the PS3 or the Xbox controls? Can you imagine what would happen? Can you imagine what would happen in Denton? Men, what are you lifting? 
I want to I be clear in saying this. It's Jesus who makes your heart holy, but you're responsible for what your hands do. You're not holy because of your own work. You're not seen as justified before God because of your own work and your own action and your own effort. Jesus is the one who does that in you. The Bible says that it is by grace through faith in Jesus that that happens. But you are accountable for what these guys do. And so Paul says, men, don't just lead the charge. He says, men, lead the charge by being set apart. And then he goes on. Look at verse 8 again. He says, therefore, I want the men to pray in every place, lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. Now, we have a lot of girls here tonight. So I want to make sure all of you understand what Paul's saying here. Guys, guys and girls uh, <clears throat> argue, uh, get angry, and fight in completely different ways. Okay, Guys uh, use physical warfare. Girls use psychological warfare. It's like the difference between hand-to-hand combat and like Darth Vader using the force, okay? Um, I, I took a lot of heat like uh, four or five weeks ago for saying that I watched um, that TV show, The Bachelor, once or twice or whatever, and uh, I felt like when I was watching it, like kind of like a, a, a scientist in a lab observing under a microscope these organisms and watching their behavior because here you have on this TV show uh, these girls, a bunch of girls who are fighting over one man. Now, if it was a bunch of guys fighting over one girl, man, there'd be punches thrown, there'd be broken walls, like holes in walls, like stuff would be, it would just be physical warfare, but it's girls, and so there's not any of that. But it's this psychological stuff. They're, they're shooting people down with words, and they might not be saying anything, but they're looking at you, and they're giving you that. I can't even do it, but it's like that weird girl eye that you know, kind of rolls, but also like just lasers you down and uses its magical powers to mess with you psychologically and just destroy you. Like that's what is happening in the show. But, but guys fight completely differently. Physical warfare. We want to hit somebody. And if we don't hit you, then we're going to hit something else so that you can see by the force of us hitting that other thing what we wanted to do to you. In, in college, me and my, my roommate, his name's Chad. He's today is still my best friend. Uh, but we got in a huge fight in college. Um, and we're in, our, we're in our dorm room, and Brian, my other, one of my other roommates, who's still a best friend today, comes running in, and I'm yelling, and Chad's yelling, and me and Chad fight completely differently. Like, I just want to punch somebody or something. Chad's more, you know, a little bit more of a girl. And so <laughs> he uses that psychological junk. And so, like, he's trying to, like, mess with my mind, and I'm ready to punch the dude in the face. And so Brian runs, and he's like, Austin, you got to leave. And, and he's, like, pushing us apart. And so I walk out, and because I didn't get to punch him in the face, as I'm walking through our bathroom, I punch the bathroom door, and uh, it was those cheap bathroom doors, so it's not like it was really cool or anything. But the whole door just from the top to the bottom just splits in half and just falls over. It was shut. And so I just, instead of opening the door, I just punched through it and walked through. And, and so the rest, of the, uh, the rest of the year, we, uh, I felt really cool after I did it. And then, but so I get back and we got this door just laying in the middle of our room. And so uh, we, when I, we had to take the door and, and duct tape works for anything. So we duct taped the door back together and for the next year and a half we had a door that was with duct tape. But, but anyways, guys fight physically, girls fight psychologically. And when Paul wrote this letter, there were a lot of stupid fights, stupid arguments, and stupid things that were causing disputes that were pulling the church apart in Ephesus. And today, you look at this today, and there's a lot of stupid things among us guys that are, that are causing division and causing separation and causing arguments, fights, And so Paul says, lead the charge, men, without anger and without disputing. Lead the charge without this disunity. Have y'all seen the movie 300? It was just on TV the other day. I haven't really seen the whole thing before. Uh, 
but I've seen parts. And, and how do the Spartans fight? <laughs> that was nice. <laughs> okay, after they do that, how do the Spartans fight? I mean, because there's not a whole lot of them. I mean, it's, it's just a small group of them versus thousands of these Persian dudes. I think they were from Persia. <clears throat> and because they were outnumbered, what they would do, you know what they would do is they would, they would get all really, 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 really close together. And with their shield, they would, I think, protect the person on their left. They had their spear on the right. And anywhere they moved, it wasn't like, you know, this. It was like they're all squunched together and they would move together like that. And the reason that Paul, Paul tells us to fight this way is it's two reasons. One is there's more power in, in many of us working as one unit than many of us working as individual units. And this is straight from the Bible. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says this. The one, may be over, the one may be overpowered. Two can defend themselves. But then it goes on to say a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. So the first reason that Paul tells us to, to get rid of these, these disputes and this arguing and this disunity and to be one unified group of dudes is because we are much more powerful when we're working as one unit. And the second reason is this, and I think this is just as important, it's to make sure that it's a one-man, capital O, capital M show, not a one-man, lowercase o, lowercase m show. You see what I just did there? When we, when we fight together as one unit under the head of Jesus, under the leadership of Jesus, then Jesus is the one who gets the glory. He's the one who gets the fame, the popularity, the praise. But when we try to fight as individuals, then it ends up being a fight for who can get the more attention or get the most attention or the most fame or the most popularity. So Paul says, men lead the charge, not as one working alone, but as one of many working together. I want you to go back and see one more thing. Guys, this is the last thing I'm going to say tonight, so I need you to hear this. Go back to the very beginning of the verse and look at what Paul says. He says, therefore I want what? Therefore I want what? Men. He doesn't say, therefore I want boys. He doesn't say, therefore I want men and boys. If he wanted to say boys, he would have used another word, pais. But he said, Andras. He said, I want men. And he did that on purpose because Paul says he wants men. Men are the ones who lead the charge. Now, there's a lot of guys in here who would characterize themselves as men. You'd characterize yourself as a man because you got hair on your chest, or you at least have a deep voice or you filled out your frame. But according to this, you're just a boy. Because you continue to passively and fearfully cower down into the background like a boy. You continue to passively and fearfully run, flee the scene instead of lead out in battle. Men lead the charge. Boys stay home. Then he says, men lead the charge by being set apart. Many of you call yourselves men because you got a girlfriend and you wear the pants in the relationship. You, you do what you want. You get what you want when you want it. 
You're sleeping with her, you're feeling her up, you're doing all this other stuff. But according to this, you're just a boy. Because you continue to dip your hands into things that are disgusting to God. Men don't just lead the charge, men lead the charge by being set apart. And then it says, men lead the charge, not as one working alone, but as one of many working together. Many of you, sell, many of you call yourselves men because you're, you're totally independent of your mom and dad. You're paying for everything on your own. You've got a job, you've got cash flow, you're making money. Some of you, sell, some of you call yourselves men. You may be not completely independent from your family, but you're, you're really close, you're about to graduate, or you're on your way to that. You look at your future and it looks bright. I mean, you, you've, you've got your path planned out to success and money and having that thing, those things. But according to this, you're just a boy because you continue to work alone and you continue to seek your own glory. You continue to seek what you want. You continue to pursue these ambitions of your own. Men lead the charge not as one working alone, but as one of many working together. Fellas, in order to lead the charge, you need to respond. You need to respond to the call that God has placed on you to lead the charge. Stop letting fatigue, stop letting fear, and stop letting Satan's big lie that this is not a man's fight keep you from responding. And in order to lead the charge by being set apart, you guys need to repent. What are you lifting? When you stick your hands in the air, what's on it? If everything your hands did was like, like sticking them into these buckets of paint, what would be on it when you held it up? Some of you need to take a lot of time and wash your hands. That's called repent. You cannot lead the charge by being set apart unless you repent. And you can't lead the charge by being one of many working together unless you seek reconciliation. Reconciliation between you and God and reconciliation between you and others. Respond, repent, and seek reconciliation. Only God can, can reconcile you through Jesus. And I know that there are men in here, guys in here, males in here, who have not been reconciled through Jesus. That's not, that's not for you, that's what you tell yourself. Your pride is still standing in the way of that. You need to be reconciled to God. And some of you have, have relationships with other brothers in Christ that, that have been severed by something that you've done. And you need to reconcile those relationships. You can't work together as one unit with severed relationships. So tonight, guys, the, the, the challenge is this. For you, for you, guys, to respond, to repent, and to be reconciled. And second, when these guys come up here to play, I'm gonna be standing right here, and I would love, love to pray with you guys. Don't you dare come up here if it's just to be seen by everybody else. But if you come up here because you, you know in your heart you need to respond and you know in your heart that there's some things you need to repent of and, and, and seek reconciliation for 
Then let's pray. Now for the girls, here's what I want to say. A male who claims to be a man but is unwilling to respond, repent, and seek reconciliation is not a man. He's a boy. Don't settle for a boy. If the guy that you are with right now is a boy, I pray that you will run for your life and not look back. But if he's not, if he's a man, then when we go further in 1 Timothy, we'll see what, what, what that looks like.